0: On episode 22 of Thoughts from the Shade, we will recap the Eagles' loss to the Giants, take a look around the NFL in week 12, examine the swiftly upon us college football coaching carousel, re-examine the playoff picture as it comes into shape after week 13, re-rank our top six in college football as we go into conference championship week, and we wrap with an especially hilarious bone-to-pick of the week from our boy, Bomb. This episode is brought to you by Menard Premium Detailing the best auto detail company in Bucks County, where convenience meets luxury. They specialize in detailing luxury vehicles, but the limits are endless. Check them out on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and at MenardPremiumDetailing.com. This episode is also brought to you by Shamrock Sun. Fair-skinned folks like myself are used to getting burned, overpaying for big sunscreens, tiny tubes every other week. It adds up, and it's inconvenient. Well, now it's a thing of the past. Meet Shamrock Sun, your new big-ass bottle of sunscreen delivered by subscription. Check them out on Instagram and at shamrocksun.com. Now let's get to it. Welcome back the thoughts from the shade another edition episode 22 we got a new song I'm trying to get the people fired up a little bit I think it's getting me fired up what didn't get me fired up was the six hours I spent watching Philly sports on Sunday between the Eagles and the Flyers Woo. just a terrible day it was ugly let's throw it over to bomb who's got his mic back plugged in this week not gonna sound like he's 30 yards away. Uh, what's up, Bob? How are you?
1: Oh, man. You know, uh, just when you start to believe, just when you start to think that Sirianni's putting it together and Hertz is putting it together and the team is rounding into form and they're a dangerous team, a team you don't want to see in the playoffs, they lay a fucking egg up at the Meadowlands to a team that just fucking blows Dude, the Giants are so, I mean, they won the turnover battle for nothing and basically only won the game because Rager dropped the ball twice at the end of the game. I mean, that's how bad the fucking Giants are. But talk about just an absolute fucking kick in the dick waiting for that game on Sunday and and just to, to give that performance.
0: Yeah, it hurts. Um like you said, I mean, we were we were trending in the right direction. The vibe on this podcast, the vibe uh, in the Philadelphia area has been has been high. You know, the the Thanksgiving conversations with with family and friends regarding the birds were positive and like to wish everybody uh, hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving, by the way. But no, it hurts. And, you know, I, I picked the Saints two weeks ago thinking that that would be the game they lay the egg. They got they got it done there, and then uh, j- just when I thought all was good and well, they came and laid the egg. So it hurts. Back to MetLife next week to take on the Jets, but I I, I don't know where we're at now. I mean we're we're half game out, but I, I don't know what to think right now.
1: I thought you had the best comment of of the week when uh, when Rager drops both balls to to lose the game at the end end of the game there. You know, some, someone in our group chat mentioned uh, perhaps leaving Jalen Rager in New York. And uh, and you came back with the comment basically stating, look, we can't leave him in New York. We're going back there next week. This fucking guy might show up at the stadium.
0: Yeah, I mean, Christ, if we caught him and, and didn't bring him back to Philly, all he would need is a sleeping bag and, and shack up and met life and he, he'd show up with the jersey on again. I don't, I don't want that. I don't want to see that guy on the field for the Eagles uh, ever again. I mean it's it's hard to to be to be that hard on people sometimes but christ i mean the guy's useless in the return game he's useless as a receiver and everybody knows he was picked over justin jefferson he's a he's a first round pick it's just a disgrace but you know how he would tell you he's fast in pads
1: oh my god you you know what that's bullshit and um and Sirianni even talks about how explosive he is. I mean, explosive in what? Like, he's not explosive in the return game. Is he's, he's not explosive at wideout. He's not explosive when you get him involved in the run game. Um, he's got these weird hips, too. If you look at the guy just standing there. Now, his dad was a defensive tackle. Uh, he played for the Eagles back in the day. I mean, it would be like expecting a, a, a fucking a, a purebred Kentucky Derby like thoroughbred horse out of like a fucking donkey. I mean, his father was a defensive tackle. What leads you to believe that in his family lineage, he can be an elite wideout?
0: I don't know, but, but he certainly, he certainly doesn't look the part of the first round pick or, or have a- has shown, hasn't shown any glimpses I should say of, of becoming an elite wide receiver. And it hurts because we we need another guy, um, I mean, to, to get to somebody else and, and hate to do it to him too, but ever since he signed that new deal and, and he dropped the pen once the ink dried, all all he's done is drop balls. It's Dallas Goddard. I mean, you look at the end of the New Orleans game and yes, he had a great first half. Uh, they went to him early, had the success against Malcolm Jenkins that we love to see. But when the Eagles were trying to put that game away, they were lucky that they had such a big lead because Goddard was dropping balls and that allowed, you know, the clock to stop and, and us to stop moving the chains and for the saints to actually get back into that game when that, that should have never happened. So, and and I mean, Goddard you know,
1: had, listen, we're not, I can't, I can't hammer Goddard. I mean, you're going to hammer God, Goddard. It's your prerogative.
0: You had a big the drop fact drop of the yesterday. matter
1: is the fact of the matter is that Jalen Rager had more targets yesterday than Goddard. And Devontae Smith combined. I mean, that tells you all you need to know. The the big deep pass that hurts that through for a pick, he's throwing in a double coverage to Rager. It's like what what are we doing? What are we scheming up where this guy's the first option? And um, you know, I, I have a I'm not gonna say it's my bone to pick the week. I have a real problem with Philadelphia fans. And I'm gonna tell you why, uh, at least this week. They're comparing Rager to Nelson Aguilar. Don't do Nelson Aguilar like that. Nelson Aguilar is a Super Bowl champion. Nelson Aguilar went for what, seven and eighty or ninety yards in the Super Bowl? Nelson Aguilar struggled with drops early in his career and worked on it and was a was a phenomenal route runner and was actually explosive, unlike this fucking guy. Um I'm sick and tired of hearing that comparison. Well, Nelly, we just need to sit Jalen like we sat Nelly. No, you don't need to sit Jalen. You need to give Jalen a fucking one-way ticket and send him the fuck out of town. This guy is a bum. He needs to be cut. He stinks.
0: I agree that he needs to be cut. I don't want to see him again. Um, enough's enough. And I- I've seen enough of the guy to know that he can't play. I, I said I said it before the season. i've said I've said it early in the year. Um, he's just useless. He's got he's got bricks for hands, and, and it's just so bad. And, you know, you say I, I shouldn't be getting on Goddard, but late in that game, he had a big drop that, that hit him right in the hands. We just gave him that big deal. You get paid to make those plays, man. I mean, I, I, I'm happy that he got the deal. He can block. He's a size. He's a good weapon. But, you know, he, he must decide a big, deep breath of relief because – he he just don't look right the last last one and a half games or so.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm not seeing what you're seeing. I'm not going to hammer Goddard. Um, you know, I just I, I, it just I, my bigger, bigger, biggest problem as it relates to Goddard and Smith is why aren't they the focal point of the offense in, in the past game? You have a phenomenal run game. The only two guys when you decide to pass it, which shouldn't be often. The only two guys you need to look for are Goddard and Smith. It's like, and and dude, don't get me started on on uh, on 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 Rager. I, you know, I heard people talking today about the catch that he had in fucking training camp. Remember when we were talking about training camp? We were talking oh, yeah. about it right we, here. We were, he showed, we were going four and
0: up. We were going four and zero to win the week of practice when Jalen Rager was catching uh, highlight reel catches in training. They camp They said
1: it was better than the OBJ catch in fucking practice, dude.
0: In August.
1: Um. So I don't want to hear about Jalen Rager. He's a workout hero. He's a bum on the field. Um, I just think rather than, than kind of hammering Goddard for a drop or whatever, I, you need to make him and Smith the focal point of the passing game. Those should be the only two options. If those two guys aren't open, fucking run. It hurts. That's all you need to do.
0: No, I agree. And I think it, it really it really hurt. Uh, I think it was early in the second half. The Eagles were, were moving it a little bit. And... They were probably around midfield or maybe maybe slightly in the Giants' territory. And they had a third and short and fourth and short. And they run back-to-back slants. The third down plays to Kenneth Gainwell, who I, I don't even think dressed against the Saints. He's running a slant out of a wide receiver position. And then on fourth down, you throw a slant to Rager. And it wasn't a, uh, a great throw by Hertz. He obviously struggled on Sunday. But to your point, I mean... Why have we been having success? Because Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard are the focal points of the passing game. And the majority of the offense has come on the ground. And I said it to you and I said it to other people, but who would have thought in, in week 12 that the guy we can't afford to lose on offense is Jordan Howard.
1: Oh my God. We saw it early in the game, right? I mean, the first, the first drive set the tone. They run the ball on first down, they lose a yard. And then they're behind the sticks. They go three and out with two passes. So say what you want about Sanders and his home run hitting ability and this, that, and the other. I'd like to see the distribution of his runs based on positive and negative yardage. All I know is that when Jordan Howard gets handed the ball, he's falling forward for at least two. So, I mean, when I saw that, I immediately thought, oh, my God, it was one of those deals where, you know, when you're when you're a a degenerate gambler like, like us and you, uh, you sit down and watch a game, and you immediately realize you're on the wrong side. That's how I felt the minute the Eagles got the ball. I'm like, you have to be kidding me. How do I get out of this bet? Like, I can't believe that this is the game plan.
0: Yeah, it was a no bet for me yesterday. But you are talking about falling forward. I mean, he had the, the tough fumble on the second-to-last drive where the Eagles were moving the ball and had a chance to to get back into the game or win the game. But
1: oh, you're talking about Scott. I was talking about Sanders on the first
0: drive. No, I, I know that. But I'm saying, like, Jordan Howard always falls for but even Boston Scott the guy's 5'6" yeah, right, 200, right 200 pounds soaking wet and he falls forward for 3 or 4 yards. Yep. I mean and, and you got Sanders he's fast I guess um but he just he gets lateral. We've we've said it on this show numerous times. Gets too lateral and fumbles a ton. I I I just get sick of watching him too, but um yeah. I, I don't know if you want to get into the, the game plan, uh, the the quarterback. Obviously, a really tough day for Hertz, even though he's been coming along nicely. But I think kind of the game plan and Hurts' performance ca- kind of go hand-in-hand hand a little bit.
1: Yeah, you know, you watch these hot take shows on uh, Comcast Sportsnet or on WIP. You listen to them, and, you know, they always try to make it like one thing or the other. Who do you put the blame on? Do you put it on Sirianni, or do you put it on Hertz? yesterday's game was the perfect example of the blame goes to Sirianni and Hertz. And I'm going to hammer Rager. Don't, don't get me wrong. I will hammer hammer Rager because at the end of the day, as bad as they played, they could have won that game with a basic play that a high schooler could have made. And everyone would have been talking about the fact that guess what hurts had a bad game, but when push comes to shove and you have to have it, he makes two fucking throws that should have ended in touchdowns to win that game. So that, I'll just say that. I'll just say that to start. But when we talk about Sirianni or Hurts, it goes hand in hand. The game plan was pathetic. Uh, they even panned to Sirianni a couple times during the, the telecast. And I said, boy, this guy looks – it looks like somebody, like, uh, you know, hit him with the tranquil- tranquilizer that, like, Blue got hit with in old school. I mean, the guy – he blink once if you're alive, dude. Like, they they panned to Sirianni. He's just fucking standing there. Like, he, he – the team slept walk, but Sirianni was asleep. And then you go to Hurts, and it's like, what are we doing at the end of the half? I didn't like the sequence down there. I mean, they ran it on second down with one timeout. You got to throw it twice or three times, and then and then you keep the timeout in the back pocket if you want to run it on third down. Everything was ass backwards. And then Hurts, you just can't. I don't like the play call where you're rolling him out. Um, and then he he's got to throw it away. He throws the pick. Um, I overall was just, it was just bad, but at the end of the day, if Jalen Rager catches one of those footballs, we're sitting here and we're saying, guess what? This team has something going on. They turned the ball over how many times and they pulled it out at the end of the game. Oh my God. But that's just the, that's the fine line that exists in professional football. You miss, you miss, or you don't make one or two plays. It's a totally different narrative.
0: We'd be sitting at six and six in a wild card spot, but we're half game out. Um, you mentioned the sequence at the end of the half, uh, the, the goal to go. I think Greg Ward's got to catch that ball again. Got to be why, caught. Why are we going to Greg Ward? Why aren't we why finding it Goddard? Why is that ref? Yep. Um, the second down play I think was a quarterback keeper by Hertz, and I think Goddard and Stoll. I don't know why that guy's on the field. I don't even know his first name, but he's number eighty-nine. He's like a backup tight end, Jack Stoll. If he makes a block, Hertz walks in. We missed that. And then you talk about the third down play. Um, I didn't see it, but some of my friends, you know, were were texting back and forth during the game. Apparently, Goddard was open on like the first read before Hertz got outside of the pocket on that play. And I think that was something we saw with Hertz yesterday little afraid to, to anticipate and throw guys open and, and, and pull the trigger, which was tough to see.
1: Unless it was to Rager.
0: Yeah, unless it was to Rager. But um, no, and, and that's the other point I wanted to make. Sorry, I lost my train of thought for a second there. But people were sa- saying to me, Goddard was open on that th- third and goal before he rolled out and threw the pick. We didn't get a fucking replay. We got no replays Dude. of all these critical plays all day long yesterday. From Fox. I mean, the the pick on the throw to Watkins the early First in the interception.
1: Game. They said, he, I mean, Schlereth said he was interfered with. We got no replay. Yep. It, uh, Jason Kelsey goes out. We hear about it like a drive later.
0: Yeah. Um, I, 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 I said that Kelsey was out, you know, the second or third play that he was out. Amin and Schlereth didn't mention it until about three drives later. Dude, it
1: was so bad. And... Th- the end of the half, I mean, that's a really important sequence there. We got no replays. And then the first thing we have to do, I mean, think about this. You're the production crew at Fox. I mean, they're, they're fucking clueless. If you watch CBS or you watch NBC with uh, Michaels or Tariko whoever's on the call, the, the, the presentation of the game, the production game is so much better. Fox, they got fucking Marvel or DC Comics drawing graphics of the players and like fucking high schoolers running the, the goddamn production show there. The first thing they do, so you have, a, you have a, a game-defining play at the end of the half, and we're going right to the studio to Carissa Thompson, who's bringing me a fucking highlight of Cam Newton, who fucking stinks, throwing a pick. So I got a replay of Cam Newton throwing a pick in a game I don't give a fuck about, but I can't see what the hell just happened at the end of the half.
0: Nah, it was brutal. I mean, a, 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 there were a lot of... Critical plays, believe it or not, in that that slop fest that we witnessed on Sunday. But we got we got no replays. Just just another awful broadcast from Fox. It
1: it might be the worst part about being an NFC team. Like if you're decent, at least you get Buck and Aikman. But CBS's like announcers, the crews that they have that are like their second and third rate crews are above and beyond anything that that that, uh, Fox has. We get Adam Amen and, and Schlereth, who are clueless, brain dead, totally brain-dead. Like, wouldn't you just love to have Iron Eagle or, or even, like, Gumbel? I'll take Gumbel. Christ. I mean, CBS, it's, it's not even close how much of a better job they do versus Fox.
0: No, I agree. But, I mean, even getting back to the, the point where they were a little late to Kelsey, I mean, her big... Came in at center. He didn't. He didn't blow any snaps yesterday, like we saw. I forget what game it was. A, f- a few back when Kelsey missed a few plays. I think the first snap hurt. Big snap to right. It hurts his feet. But uh, I think it was. I think it was the drive that that ended with the pick before half. He had a, a holding penalty on one of the yeah, first plays. Yeah, Scott
1: days. Scott was going for TD.
0: Well, that 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 was later in the drive. But you got you got a hold early in that drive. The Eagles were able to overcome that. I think it was a six minute drive. About ninety-two yards, and then yeah, later on that drive before they got to the goal and go, uh, goal to go situation, Her- Herbig gets flagged for holding on on a run where Scott gets into the end zone, and it just it just kills us. I mean, another guy that the Eagles cannot afford to lose is, is Kelsey, but he did come back so, and finish. Side the game. note,
1: side side note, maybe a question for uh, for a statistical deep dive. Do you think the Eagles lead the league in a number of touchdowns taken off the board by penalty?
0: I don't know. That's, that's a good question.
1: There's been, what, three to four?
0: Offensive- yeah, I guess. Yeah. I was going to say, I guess we had all those picks early in the year, the pick plays.
1: You got this one, the hold. I mean, I just feel like they, they score, and it's like immediately r- ripped off the board.
0: Yeah. Now, all, all around, though, the game game was so ugly, like you said. I mean, early on, you, you had the Eagles, like I said, no bet for me, but you you could just feel that the the way this game was going, it, it was going to be ugly. It wasn't going to end well. I mean, you got that fullback from Temple catching balls off his dick That's for touchdowns. Disgusting. That's and-,
1: and by the way, they didn't even review that. I mean, it looked like it was a catch. They didn't even go to review that.
0: No, yeah. I mean, I thought I thought we looked at every every scoring play. And then later and by the
1: in the way, game, kid, I mean, God bless him. You know what? You're a, you're a walk on bum at temple. You went to Cheltenham, didn't win anything there. You go to temple, you walk on and now you're in the New York giants. Like good for you, dude. You fucking, you had a ball come into your gooch and you held onto it. Right. And then the turn around and spike the football on your hometown team. Like fuck this guy.
0: And then he had the catch later in the game. The Giants were driving, just kind of killing some clock, and and, he, and he's on the ground after a block, and he stands up and they throw it to him for a first down. I mean, when that kind of shit happens, you just know it ain't your day. And it happens all, all too much for our Philly teams when we're just getting boned by some stiff or some guy that went to like a local high school or college uh, that, that's making his first start or his first appearance in a professional sporting event, and he just sticks it right down our throat.
1: You know, God bless him, man. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, could the Eagles use a guy like that that can fall down and catch? Sure. We could use a guy. We got stole. We got Jack stole. I'd rather have this guy.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I don't know what else I have on the game. I mean, the defense played all right. But late in the second half, when we needed to get off the field and, and, and we're, tra- we're trailing, we, we we didn't get off the field. I mean, we made Daniel Jones look pretty good at times. The guy is horrible. And he, he was hitting some intermediate routes to Galladay and, and Slayton. Um, and, and they were moving the sticks and killing the clock. I mean, sure, we only gave up 13 points. And it, it, it's hard to complain, but this is a team that has an atrocious quarterback that just fired their offensive coordinator. And I believe was their interim MC, uh, interim OC, Freddie Kitchens. Is that the guy's name?
1: Oh, yeah, you better believe it.
0: I mean, you got Freddie Kitchens with the interim tag just, like, dicing up a Jonathan Gannon defense. It was making me sick.
1: Yeah, it was bad. Um, no, no no ways. I mean, they they got, like, literally no pressure on him. The only sack I think they recorded was the sack kind of at the end of that sequence where the Eagles needed to burn all three timeouts. Jones just went down near the sideline like To not throw it away So that was the only sack They recorded I mean, this, this D-line, they got a lot of money in the D-line I mean, You can talk about pressure And push all you want Is anyone going to get the fuck home?
0: No No, we we really don't get home
1: Like, I see Fletcher Cox Like, on running plays You know, you, you got You got running backs that are like Falling forward or like carrying guys for like two or three extra yards. Fletcher Cox is standing there watching it with his, uh, you know, tucking in his Jersey. That happened a couple times yesterday. He's standing there tucking in his Jersey. You know, meanwhile, the running backs carrying the, uh, his teammate for another two or three yards. It's like, dude, you're 300 pounds. Why don't you get up there, get some leverage, get your pads down and pull this guy down.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I hear you. It's just, Everything that was that was going right for the birds and, and trending in the right direction, uh, came came to a screeching halt on Sunday, and and, it, and it's frustrating. But we'll we'll look the ahead. the thing I'll
1: say is I'm not out on them. I'm not out on hurts. I mean, they're gonna win Sunday, right? You go into the bye, you you, you try to continue to improve, and uh, bottom line is they they can still win. Uh, every game in front of them and make the playoffs. I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised if that happened.
0: Do I dare say it? Do I dare say the last dying words that I said about the Penn State football team this year?
1: You got to say it.
0: The Eagles still have it all in front of them.
1: Speaking of Penn State football, I want to give a big shout out to uh, the starting quarterback at Penn State, Sean Clifford. So Sean Clifford, and are we done with the Eagles? Can we transition to college football?
0: Um, let's let I just want, I just want to wrap. Uh, Eagles at Jets Sunday. Eagles minus six and a half. A little bit different line. Already what, hammered it. Than than what we saw with the Giants. Um, yeah, I mean I, I I don't know if you wanted to touch on a couple game a couple other games uh, in the league on Sunday before before you get to Hammer and Clifford. Yeah, um, but,
1: yeah, let's, let's let's go around the NFL, but hold that thought around the idea that they have everything in front of them. Because I want to talk about the quarterback of the last team that you said had everything in front of them.
0: All right. Right on. Um, game of the day on Sunday. Obviously didn't get to watch it. Uh, I'm not I'm not a red zone or an NFL ticket guy. I was locked in watching the Eagles. Uh, another game covered by Fox at the same time. Tampa Bay goes into Indianapolis and beats the Colts. Uh, 38-31. Was getting a lot of. Uh, texts and, you know, shots thrown at me about number two and how great he was playing uh, in the first half. Didn't get much in the second half. I believe he had three turnovers in the second half. Colts ultimately uh, gave up a lead or two in that game to to lose to the GOAT. Tom Brady and Leonard uh, Fournette with his four TDs on the day, but looked like a great game I mean we were able to catch the end and and, and see Wentz uh underthrow Michael Pittman on the Hail Mary effort I mean I've, I've watched I've watched some of those games this year and and he gets lucky on these underthrows throws with pass interference and, and whatnot but I mean he, he lit it up in the first half I, I'll I'll give him I'll give him some credit um but you know ultimately he does he doesn't get it done so not yeah, sure. Look at, look at
1: his record against winning teams. His record against winning teams is pathetic. That's all you need to know. I hammered the Bucks. They won. Uh, beautiful to see.
0: Yeah, I mean, not even gonna get into fade the shade and and what transpired uh, on Thanksgiving, uh, on yeah, Saturday, man. on Sunday. It was a bloodbath. I lost a lot of cash. Hopefully, you faded me because you, you'd be you'd be counting the cash uh, here here on Monday evening or on Tuesday. But, nah, tough week there. Uh, but but good on you, Bob. Laying off your boy, too, uh, for a week here. Um, another team that, that I'm done with, I'm done betting on them, the Los Angeles Rams. They went into Lambeau Field to take on Rodgers and the Packers Sunday afternoon, and, and they were laying points. A road favorite in Lambeau against Aaron Rodgers. The Los Angeles Rams were laying points. Anywhere from one and a half to two and a half. And seeing that line, I jumped on the Rams. I'm like, this, this, this there, there's there's something totally up here. Um, there was something totally up my ass because Green Bay got the job done to, to no, no one's surprise other than mine, I guess. Um, but I'm just so sick of looking at that McVay, you know, with his gelled hair and the play chart over his face. And he's screaming into the mic, holding the chart right over his face. And then you got Stafford. When they traded for Stafford from the Lions, all you heard was, oh, Matthew Stafford. He's never really had a team. You know, he, he's going to light it up. The Rams, the Rams are, are going to walk, you know, cakewalk through the regular season, Super Bowl, this and that. He stinks. He's a fraud. McVay's a fraud. The Rams are frauds. So that's a no-bet team for me the rest of this year. I don't care that they got OBJ or Odell Beckham. I don't care that they got Von Miller. And you know Jalen Ramsey and Donald are talking about this great defense. Team stinks. They never get it done. And I'm just I'm sick of looking at that coach. And I'm coming for the people that w- were talking up Stafford going to the Rams w- when it happened and and how great it would be and how he never had a team. He had the best receiver in the game for I don't know how many years and he he had no success with Megatron.
1: So like, best receiver in a generation probably.
0: Where did these people get this idea that? That Stafford was some great quarterback, just stuck on a shitty team.
1: And if I if I remember correctly, like it's not like the Lions. It was it was just Megatron. They had uh like Galladay was decent for them for a while, right? Um, they had some tight ends that were highly drafted. Uh, I forget the guy's name. I think he was out of OK State. Um, their running game was always pretty decent. Like I I, I didn't quite understand that either, but. You know, you look back on it, you go, oh, McVay's got to know something here that we don't know. He's a guru. Well, maybe it's just that he's an idiot. And um, the guy, let's just get something clear. The guy never won a game against Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson stuffed this little punk, this gel-haired punk, in a locker every time he played him. And, uh, And McVay actually won coach of the year. I think, was it the year the Eagles won the Super Bowl?
0: I don't know if it was that year. Or it had to be the year that that the Rams lost to the Pats in the Super Bowl the next year.
1: yeah, I mean, i I think it was that year because uh, it was the big comeback story for the Rams. They're finally back. They're playing good football. But I'm with you, I think the Rams might be not only a no bet, they might be an auto bet against. And um, I do want to talk about the Packers. I'm in love with the Packers, dude. I'm in love with this team. I'm in love with Aaron Rodgers. I'm in love with how they play football. You watch them play and it's like watching a different sport, dude. It's like, it's, it's like poetry. It's like, it's like Beethoven on a football field. It's so nice to see. And I love Devontae Adams. Okay. What he had to say after this game, and I'm going to, I'm going to comment on this, but he had to say after this game was one of the best things I've heard in professional sports in quite some time. Odell Beckham jr who the Packers had pursued when he was let go by the Browns, approached Devontae Adams after the game and requested his jersey. Devontae Adams after the game said, and I quote, he said he needed jersey after the game. I told him, quote, go get Cooper Cup jersey, end quote, since that's who we want to be with. (laughs)
0: Yeah, that's I mean, awesome. Talk
1: about just unbelievable pettiness. That's what I want to see in professional sports, not this lovey-dove affair. Let's all do a jersey swap. Huge props to Devonte Adams. I like this Packers team, man. No,
0: that, that that that's a power move. You you gotta love that. And uh, and I agree. You see too much of the the jersey swaps, and you see Penn State Insta- Penn State football Instagram always posting whenever you know. You got uh, players on either side. They all come together for for a group picture after the game. I mean, come on, miss me with that. Go out to dinner. Don't take any pictures. You know, the night before, the night after, catch up. Uh, you know, outside of the outside of the uh, outside of our visibility, and, and and just move on. But no, I mean, great great move by Devontae Adams. Um, I mean, how, how can you not love that and and love his game? I mean, the guy's easily the best receiver in football. And it's been that way for years now.
1: Yeah, I I I just love this Packers team, man. I mean, I I might be betting on them the rest of the way.
0: And and you gotta love Rodgers. I mean, people he he stirs the pot. I mean, I don't think he stirs the pot, but he is like the subject of a lot of this ESPN drama. Um, You know, whether whether it's uh, whatever's going on in the news. Or he doesn't have a contract, or he's not coming to camp. Uh, you know, he's playing golf in the match. Well, you don't really hear a ton from Rogers himself. He just comes out on Sundays and gets the fucking job done. And that that that's a guy that you gotta love. I mean, it's it's just unbelievable. No practice all week, bad toe, comes out, beats the Rams. Just, yeah, he's,
1: just he's an assassin, man. Just, just old, yeah. yeah. If, if he be, if he in some way shape or form becomes available this off season, if you're the Philadelphia Eagles, just do everything you can to get this guy at quarterback. Like I don't I don't mind Hurts right now as as your starter, and I don't think the Eagles should draft a quarterback. I think that'd be a total reach. But like, look at what the Bucks did, man. I mean, everyone talked about Brady. Ah, oh, you know he's over the hill, this and that. He's too old. Look at what he turned that team into. I mean, I would love to see. Aaron Rodgers throw the ball to Devontae, uh, Devontae Smith and actually Rager too. We'll see if Rager can catch one of his balls. No, hopefully he's not on the team by then. I'm kidding.
0: That might be one guy that Aaron Rodgers can't fix. <laughs> um, I don't know if you had anything else around the league. Um, four picks from Lamar on Sunday night. They, they still beat the Browns 16,
1: 10. Not only did uh, they beat them, they covered <laughs>
0: And they covered. Uh, I think you were on that one. I think I was on the other side. Uh, lo- losing faith in the Browns. I mean, Dude, I you probably... got to
1: stop betting on the. Dude, who the hell? I mean, I know we got mosquito grill wings on the line. There isn't anybody in the history of mankind that has ever won mosquito grill wings betting on the fucking Cleveland Browns. And here you are, week after week, I'm photoshopping that stupid logoless helmet into a graphic because you like the Cleveland Browns. Come on, dude.
0: Now I, I think my love for them should have, should have faded weeks ago, but it's, it's certainly fading fast now. Um, elsewhere around the league, just looking at, I guess the teams in in the hunt with the Eagles. Cause we're not, we're not going to count them out just yet. They're, they're only a half game out, but San Francisco beat Minnesota, uh, two teams, the Eagles are kind of vying with for, for that last playoff spot. Um, the Bills. The Bills are back. Maybe uh, they blew out the Saints on Thanksgiving night, and then the Atlanta Falcons somehow have a better record than the Eagles. They beat Jacksonville on Sunday. They're five and six. Um, so yeah, I, I believe Minnesota holds the last wild card spot at the moment at five and six. Eagles are five and seven, half game out. Back to MetLife on Sunday to take on the New York Jets. Eagles laying six and a half. Uh, much more encouraging line. Uh, wh- whether you're a better or not, just as a fan of the Eagles, uh, that makes you feel a little bit better th- than when they were laying three or three and a half or four against uh, an also really bad Giants team. So we'll see what happens. We got to see some some improvements uh, all around the board from the Birds, um, and and we'll see you on Sunday. You ready to talk some college football now, Bob? Yes, sir. Well, I'll just throw it back. I'll I'll throw it back to you. Yeah, a lot lot going on. Coaching, you know, obviously the playoff picture. um, Conference championship week is upon us. A lot of big games this weekend. A lot of news out of Happy Valley. Obviously, it doesn't involve winning football games. Um, But James Franklin got his new deal. Uh, Sean Clifford is, you know, working working the Instagram story, uh, promoting God knows what, meatball subs bomb. I'll just throw it over to you so you can finish that point from earlier.
1: Yeah, I, I want to get to Clifford here. So um, let's start with the game. Not that game. The Penn State game. They're playing in a snowy game. Penn State is wearing the goofy all-white and like they're down thirty to twenty, and and Clifford, you know, scrambles. It's like fourth and twenty, makes a throw, and they get a first down, and they close the gap. What they lose the game thirty to twenty seven.
0: I believe that was the final, yeah.
1: So I go on, I go on Instagram, like, you know, Eagle Sunday. I'm like looking, see who everybody has, and Sean Clifford's got a got a story posted on his his Instagram story, and it's a highlight of that play, like a desperation play. So it would be like – I mean, imagine this, right? Imagine the Eagles playing the Packers um, way back when, 4th and 26. McNabb makes the throw to Fred X to convert on 4th and 26, but they lose the game. And Donovan McNabb has that on the story the next day. I mean, the team would – the city would kill that guy. You got Sean Clifford pumping that highlight. And then I log on today, okay? It's Monday. It's after the holiday. Oh, man. I mean <laughs> – Get ready for this one, folks It's a picture of him uh, Outside of McClanahan's And the caption reads No day is better than Meatball Monday Get yours for only $3.99 and McClanahan's Really? Meatball Monday? How about a fucking victory, dude? Um, you know, he's pumping stuff for Allstate on his story I mean, I guess good for him. Get the bag when you're seven and five, like your coach, but Christ, dude, come on, get a clue.
0: Seven and five also lines up with the $75 million that James Franklin is going to get with his 10 year extension, uh, that, that he agreed to with Penn state last week ahead of the Michigan state game. Um, I'm I'm honestly speechless. You know, I'm reading boards, uh, consuming all the Penn State content out there, and it, it, it's it's just sad to see how long of a leash people want to give this guy, and the excuses that they'll make for him. Uh, I think a big part of the deal uh, revolves infrastructure in terms of upgrading the football facilities, uh, the athlete dorms and housing. Um, so you know maybe maybe that'll attract one more recruit that that blows his knee out, uh, or, or goes down for the year, um, but it's certainly not going to fix, uh, the short shortfalls, uh, uh, from the coach and the coaching staff on game day. So, I mean, I, I I'm not happy. I'm not looking forward to it. Um, and I don't I don't know if it was you bomb or somebody else. I I certainly can't take credit, uh, for for this one, but. Is this contract worse uh, than the sanctions that that were placed on the football program in you know the early 2010 uh, decade?
1: Yeah, I think the comment I made when I realized that the James Franklin story was not an Onion article. When you sent it to me and you were talking about a 10 year deal, I thought it was like like an Onion article. Like I was like, oh, there must be like a college football Onion website. Like when you sent me the Penn State tweet. That announced that I thought it was a Photoshop onion or like that. That's how shocking this was to me. Not a Penn State guy. I'm just a guy who watches football, knows college football. Watch I, Like I die for college football. I live for college football. Like I love I love the Eagles, but like I love college football. There's nothing better. The the, the pomp, the 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 game day atmosphere, the bands, the whole thing, the coaches, how they're all scumbags. They'll jump from here, there, everywhere. And I said, wow, there's no way, there's no way this is real. Ten years? I mean, the, this, the, the quote I gave you, G, was, I think looking back on it, if you're a Penn State alumnus, if you could go back in time to the time in which the NCAA was levying uh, the the penalty against Penn State for everything that went on with Sandusky. Knowing what you know today, if I was a Penn State alumnus, I would have opted for the death penalty. I would have said, you know what, Mark Emmert, you know, I know in ten years we're gonna give James Franklin a ten year deal after we finish seven and five. Don't put us on don't put us on probation. Don't don't give us these scholarship cuts. Just 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 give us the death penalty. That's what I would have said as an alumnus.
0: Just, just shut the program down, please. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm speechless. I'm just as shocked as you are. Uh, as, as an alum, it hurts. Um, you know, one of my good friends, um, God bless him and his wife. They just had a, a beautiful baby, and uh, they're, they're alums as well. And, and I, and, I said, you know, do you look? At least you can look forward, to, you know, to your, to your, your child studying in a in a library or in a building named after james franklin uh, in 20 years when when he's lost another i don't know 40 games to top 10 opponents
1: (laughs) yeah the good news is for uh for their daughter you know in the james franklin library there won't be any risk that she'll bump into a playbook or like you know an offense that works yeah james franklin Can't figure that out. So it'll it'll purely be uh, elite academics in his library, um, which is which is great for the school. I mean, this is a school that started as really a farming institution. They 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 became well known for their football, one of the largest alumni bases in the country, if not the largest. And uh, and by the way, like I don't know if people saw this. Your boy bomb was mixing it up on Instagram with these Penn State honks. And, gee, they had the gall to tell me on Instagram, and I quote some of these stiffs. Well, we had to give them the contract because, God forbid, Penn State becomes USC, Texas, Miami, uh, LSU, all these teams, all these teams that have won a national championship in this millennia. The one guy made a comment about USC. Well, look where we are with USC. Hey, bub, USC, not too long ago, beat James Franklin on the Rose Bowl with the fucking coach. They just can't. What do you mean at least we're not USC? They just went out and
0: got Lincoln Riley. Yeah, that might be the best point of this entire episode, that James Franklin was rumored for the USC job yet. He lost in the Rose bowl to the guy that they fired Clay Helton. I mean, why the hell would they want James Franklin
1: dude? His agent played Penn state like an absolute fiddle. Uh, it sounded like they started negotiating this deal. The minute they got through the easy part of their schedule, beat Auburn going into the Iowa game. They talked about the fact that this, this deal has been in the works for a while. Um, you know, you were hammering Goddard for a couple drops after signing the big deal. It looks like Franklin just decided to lose out. Um, I, I just don't understand what the fear is from Penn State fans. Like, like they say, well, we're going to be stuck in purgatory like, like Texas or all these schools. Like, yeah, that's how it fucking works. It's no different than if you're an NFL franchise without a quarterback. You're in purgatory until you find one. If you know that the guy is not the guy, you got to move on to find another guy you just keep recycling the coach until you find the guy. Um, I, I don't get it I just don't get this affinity for mediocrity that Penn State has like you would think that the administration is fearful of like the student body like marching down to James Franklin's house with candles lit singing the fight song as if it was like Paterno getting fired I mean this guy's a a fucking bum like they had Bill O'Brien who was decent enough. James Franklin has been more of the same, if not a little worse, right? Like, at least O'Brien appeared to develop quarterbacks. Penn State hasn't developed shit since, since Franklin's been here. And, like, you can't find another guy that can win you eight or nine games a year? Like, those guys grow on trees.
0: Yeah, it's not very hard. I mean, you can lose to Ohio State, you can lose to Michigan, and you can lose one other game every year, and you can still go nine and three. And we we just went seven and five. And, And we talked about this, too. Like, you look at college football this year on the whole, there's really only one team that stands out above the rest, and obviously that's Georgia. But in a year where Alabama is not as strong as they usually are, Clemson was out of the picture by, like, week three. Ohio State didn't have the year that they usually had. Same with Oklahoma. I mean, it was wide open. And Penn State was what? They were 5-0, and and they were up at half against Iowa. As I said famously, they had it all in front of them, and they completely shit down their leg. And all these teams, these traditional powers, they're not just going to fade away. It's not going to be like this every year. Th- this was a year to capitalize, and they, they went 7-5. and five. Aside from the COVID year, I think it's the worst year in the Franklin era uh, since year one.
1: I couldn't agree more and then you get the JVP the 409ers in my opinion the JVP 409ers are the same as the CJ like they're just like Penn State Hawks whatever the school does they're they're like a believer in unless it comes down to firing a coach at which point they just throw their hands up and say how could we possibly do this like the the the, the argument they're making is Penn State needs to invest in facilities and infrastructure um, hello, what the fuck is going on at the University of Cincinnati? I mean, that's a mid-major basketball school that is going to go to the playoff sooner than Penn State. Did they need infrastructure? No. You know what it is? It's a bunch of upperclassmen taking the bull by the horns, developing as players, right, with good coaching, accountability, and and just an overall an overall program, top to bottom. Do you think Cincinnati out-recruits Penn State? There's no fucking way. Penn State has a much better recruiting class than Cincinnati. So don't tell me it's about infrastructure and facilities and a bubble bath for your big 320-pound defensive lineman to get into after the game. These guys are fucking softer than baby shit.
0: No, and, you know, the same people would tell you, oh, well, Cincinnati plays in the American and it's a soft schedule and this and that. Well, James Franklin can't even beat Illinois. Um, You know, last year he lost to a number of inferior teams. He he does it every year. He loses some game he's supposed to win. And that's just not what's happening at Cincinnati this year. They actually have a coach. They actually have a quarterback that they've invested in and developed. And it's clearly paid dividends uh, with the year that they're having and, they're one win from the playoff, and, and I, I think they're a pretty pretty heavy favorite on Saturday. So it's looking looking pretty likely for them.
1: Yeah. and By the way, like we said a few weeks ago, the last team to give Georgia a game. So this isn't a one year thing. This is they went to a they went to a big bowl game. Uh, was it last year? Right.
0: Yep. The Peach Bowl.
1: The Peach Bowl, right? And and and, and now they're going to be in the playoff. So you got you got two New Year's Six bowls back to back years. You were are in the same time frame when Penn Staters are talking about COVID and the effect it has on the program, and every everybody's got the flu at Penn State, and this, that, and the other. I mean, here you got Cincinnati, their, their, their head coach, who was just getting the damn job done. So don't talk to me about facilities and the fact that we need a better locker room with a bigger logo, a big neon Penn State logo, and a couple Xboxes and a PlayStation and this and that. They have guys that are soft. That is that you want to talk about a recruiting class. You can talk about James Franklin, the number one recruiting class. This he's got the top five blue chipper here. Let me tell you something. When it's all said and done, I can tell you one thing. James Franklin recruits the softest players in the country.
0: Definitely the softest O alignment. But no, I, I just don't get it. I mean, e- even when he had, you know, the ultimate talent, the ultimate team, in the 16 17 years. I mean look at that ro- that offense of the Rose Bowl team that lost to USC. I mean obviously Trace isn't like a uh you know, a franchise or a starting quarterback in the NFL, but look at the skill positions. It's Saquon Barkley, Mike Gesicki, Chris Godwin. I mean these are all guys that are, that are putting out
1: Juan Johnson.
0: I mean a, a, aside, aside from Saquon because he went to the Giants and you know no, no, nobody's going to have success there but I mean, these guys are, are perennial NFL players, and he couldn't get the job done.
1: Yep. Yeah, no, no big deal. We just had, had NFL starters across the board.
0: No, but, I mean, that that's enough for me on, on that guy. I mean, I, I don't look forward to next year. I don't look forward to the year after that. I don't look forward to Aller and Singleton, you know, top quarterback and running backs coming in next year. I mean, People think that these guys coming in are just going to solve the coaching issues and, and the, the lack of development issues. Well, I I honestly feel bad for those kids that are committing to Penn State under this guy because they're, they're not going to flourish, and they're not going to win. They're not going to win Big Ten championships. They're not going to make the playoff. They're not going to win national championships. They're just going to flounder for, you know, two, three, four years, and then they'll go to the league and they'll flourish there if they're good yep. enough exactly it but a couple other uh moves in the coaching carousel uh just transpired in the last 24 to 48 hours you got lincoln riley uh saturday night after the loss to oklahoma state saying that he's not taking the lsu job what he failed to mention (laughs) is that he was taking the usc job he's off to southern cal uh he's get getting a mega deal and we'll see who he takes with him but He's out He's out of Lincoln, and he's going out west to to lead the Trojans in the Pac-12. I honestly think, um, you know, for him personally, great move, got a great deal. And Oklahoma's going to the SEC. I mean, the guy can't win the Big 12 consistently. How's he going to win in the SEC? Great move by well, Lincoln Riley I mean, I to go he's to the USC.
1: He's dominated the Big 12. I wouldn't dog him like that. But I think the issue is you you got OU going, going to uh, – Go into the big, going, sorry, to the SEC. They're in the Big 12 now, right? So, OU, in theory, can get down to Texas, can get down to Louisiana as it stands today as a Big 12 team and say, hey, come play for Oklahoma. We're a powerhouse. We're going to be in the college football playoff every year. We win the Big 12. Come play for Rank- Lincoln Riley in this cutting edge offense. And that that makes sense. That's That's a value proposition that a recruit can get behind. When you go to the SEC, and now you're, you're Oklahoma, the same guys that you were just recruiting in Texas, Louisiana, and Florida, all can stay closer to home and play for teams that likely have a better chance of going to the playoff than you, what's the value prop? Oklahoma runs the risk of becoming Nebraska. I mean, that that's in essence what they might become moving to the SEC. Uh, Nebraska had the ability in the Big 12 to go south and recruit into Texas. Playing in the Big Ten, they don't have that ability. In fact, Ohio State's the only team in the Big Ten that goes into Texas and reliably recruits guys like like Garrett Wilson. So I am fired up. I think this is a brilliant move by Lincoln Riley. He's playing chess, not checkers. Um, I, I, just, I just think if there's anybody who can turn USC around, it's going to be him. I actually think he's the guy who's going to do it. They've had a lot of big, splashy names. Kiffin, you know, they tried to stick with uh obviously with Hulton, who was an interim guy. Um orgeron was there, at least in an interim basis, but I mean Southern California is 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 a hotbed of of college football talent. And um to give you some perspective of what that would look like, Kayvon Thibodeau, Southern California. Uh Chris Olave. California guy. Uh, Bryce Young, California guy. These are all top players at other programs where if they're in that that red and yellow, singing the, the fight song with the song girls, fight on, throwing up the peace. You know, we call it the Villanova V. But they got the the peace sign out there at SC, whatever it is. I mean, come on, man. If you're not excited for this, if you're not excited for primetime, College football in the years to come with USC. And, the dude, they've been a phenomenal fight song. I mean, I want to see them playing against Notre Dame in prime time, bringing back the rivalry. This is going to be incredible.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I think you said it all. And j- just to get into some of the details of the contract for Riley at USC, um, saw this earlier on Monday, not confirmed. Um, but the best that, that this fellow Robert Hefner on Twitter could do $110 million. USC is buying both of Lincoln Riley's homes in Norman for $500,000 over asking. So that writes in a, a million dollar bonus right there.
1: How much do you think a home in Norman
0: goes for? <laughs> good, 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 good question. Um, and then they're buying him a $6 million home in L.A., and he's got unlimited use of the private jet 24/7 for his family. Now, I know we talked about the private jet earlier. We we might we might just want to leave that leave that outside the <laughs> pod.
1: Yeah, we'll leave that outside.
0: So Lincoln Riley to USC, very exciting stuff. Um, I personally, as well, would be super pumped to see USC back as a perennial perennial power. In college football. Um, but obviously Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma leaves a vacancy there. Um, looks like it's going to be filled pretty quickly here by Clemson defensive coordinator Brent Venables.
1: Well, well, well gee, hang on. I got one comment on Riley before you jump sure. over to Venables. Sure. So I, I don't know the terms of that deal, and I know that was kind of a rumor, whatever they're throwing out, $110 million. Do you know how many years? I don't. Let's assume it's 10 years.
0: Yeah, it's got to be got to be in that neighborhood.
1: 10 years, 110 million, he got the Gruden deal. Um So what is that? An extra 40 million compared to what Franklin's making?
0: Yeah, 35-40.
1: How much do you 40. think relative to Franklin? If you're a Penn State alumnus or you're a student or whatever. Would you knowing that you're giving James Franklin 75, how much would you give Lincoln Riley? Would you give him 120, 130, 140, I mean, 150. I mean, I I look at, you look at like just signing Franklin for 10 years, 75 million as if it was like, well, we we couldn't live without this guy. Like, couldn't you throw 140 million at Lincoln Riley?
0: I don't think Lincoln Riley's ever coming to Penn state. I mean, we're just, we're just not going to get that caliber coach. I mean, maybe if you throw a large enough bag, that way, I, I I don't know the ins and outs of the finances of of a university and athletic department, but yeah, they're they're happy to keep Franklin. He'll keep everybody shaking the pom poms and, and filling the seats and get get enough uh, decent recruits to to make it look good. And you know, he's he's a uh, he's a good face of the program.
1: I mean, my last point on Penn State would be if I was the athletic director coming in after. This this total lunatic that's there now, who's a who's a bozo. <clears throat> you know, after they can't here, if I came in as AD, here's what I'd say: I'd say, you know what? Our head coach has talked about 110 thousand strong for how many years? It hasn't gotten anything done. Next year, the ticket prices go up by twenty five dollars for each ticket. Here's what that's going to get you as a Penn State fan: it's going to get you a primo number one, top of the line, head coach superstar. All that money is going to funding to the next HC, and guess what? If you don't like it, don't show up. That's how I'd handle that. Prices go up, we bring in a Lincoln-Riley. So that's all i got to say. USC, great hire. I mean, that's money well spent. This team is going to be back. I'm so excited. So uh, I didn't mean to cut you off about Venables. Huge news there. Uh, But, yeah, go on.
0: Yeah, I mean, I just was going to continue around the coaching carousel. you got Venables going down to – Oklahoma, where he spent some time, I believe in the, the 2010, 2012 range, somewhere around that time period, uh, coach, coaching the defense under Bob Stoops. Uh, and then you got the Florida vacancy being filled by Billy Napier um, from the University of Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns. Um, he's had some success there. Going to go take that, that vaunted University of Florida job. I feel like they've been kind of running through coaches another place where you would think you could have some success. I mean, it's obviously tough in the SEC, but I mean, with, with the program and, you know, the university, the stadium and, and all the good things that they got going down there, the weather, I mean, it's gotta be a place you'd think going in as a head coach that you could have some success.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a hell of a state to recruit from. They've shown success in the past great facilities great great stadium great fan base um and 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 their in-state rivals are down right uh not that florida's up but fsu miami down where do you want to play you want to play in the sec bing bang boom pretty easy value prop there you would think um you play in the sec east you got a chance to go to the title game every year georgia notwithstanding i don't get how you can't win there
0: no, but it, has, it hasn't happened in years. I mean, a lot of people thought Mullen was the guy or, you know, what, what was a great guy to come in and get that job done. Clearly didn't. Fell out of favor uh, pretty Muschamp quickly.
1: Muschamp sucked, too. He was brutal.
0: Well, Muschamp came down. I mean, but th- these are these are big names, you know, or, or names that people thought were big and that they were good, good gets and good hires, and they, they just haven't gotten it done. So it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out for Napier down there.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's won what 10, ten, ten wins at Louisiana, uh, in in four three out of the four seasons he's been there. Uh, well regarded, seems like an up and comer. I like that they're taking this approach because what Florida has done, they went they we went with Muschamp, more of like a defensive guy. Um, they went with uh, with Mullen, who was you know offense and SEC guy. I don't really get that. I mean, he didn't really. They had that one year at Mississippi State with Dak where they were ranked number one for a few weeks, um, but it's not like they were ever really contending in the West. And it's like, oh, if we just flip this guy to the East, he's like going to win the the conference. I don't think so. Um, so I, I like the fact that they're they're taking a chance on a guy who's who's an upstart head coach, right? He's at he's at Louisiana. He's not a guy that's highly highly regarded assistant of Nick Saban, right? Who's it's like oh, Sab- Saban's like Belichick. His other than uh, Kirby Smart, his assistants go elsewhere, and he just beats the brakes off. Like it's <laughs> don't hire a uh, a Nick Saban assistant. The only two guys I think that have worked out since they've left are Kiffin and and, and Smart. So um, I like the fact that they're going a little bit of a different direction, getting this guy from Louisiana and uh, and seeing if he can turn this program around.
0: Will be interesting to see for sure. And then I guess just back to Venables quickly. I mean, I, I think he's he's made it known or at least spoken out that that he doesn't isn't seeking out or hasn't sought out a head coaching position. And uh, just interesting for him to to go and take that job now. Um, I believe there there's some rumors that that he's going to be taking some some folks or, or some players from Clemson uh, currently with him to Oklahoma. I believe his son plays on Clemson's team right now. Yep. Um, and then a couple other guys, the quarterback. Not even going to try to say that name. Uh, DJ. DJ. And uh, Brian Bricey. There, there was something posted on social media Monday of those guys with the with with the horns down. So I, I don't know how this how uh, the relationship with Venables and Dabo is gonna gonna hold up. Might be a bridge burned if if Venables takes some guys to. Lincoln with him. Wow. To, I, 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 not, not Lincoln. I should say I should say Norman. Oklahoma. Norman.
1: That that's shocking. I'm I'm excited to see what Oklahoma does in this bowl game because um I think I don't well, Venables isn't coaching, right? I mean, I think it'll be big game, Bob.
0: Coach Stoops.
1: So so Bob Stoops comes out of the woodwork after Lincoln Riley darts off for SoCal. And uh, <laughs> Bob Stoops decides he's gonna he's gonna coach the bowl game, and he had a hell of a quote. They asked him about uh, his ability to coach. He said he's been around the program. He's he even filled in running practice when the coaching staff was out with COVID. And his the quote that he left the media on was: "Look, I'm just a program guy. I mean." <laughs> I don't know who Oklahoma is going to play in the bowl game. I don't know what the line is, but if there was ever a time to bet the house on big game, Bob Stoops, it's as an interim head coach, he's pulling a Barry Alvarez.
0: Now, that's great. And I, th- I think I saw some sort of quote too, that once Lincoln Riley, you know, got up real quick after the loss to Oklahoma state and, and jetted for USC, Bob Stoops came out and said, he ain't, he ain't an Oklahoma guy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's That's awesome. Like Bob Stoops, like I, do, if he's, I should, I should couch my comment on like betting the house on Bob Stoops. If he wears a new visor, <laughs> Oklahoma may win by 50, dude. He's got to bust out the visor.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's got to get those kids pretty fired up to, to lose, to lose your coach. Um, you know, especially a guy of Lincoln Riley's caliber, and then for Stoops to just kind of come in and completely shit on the guy and just gr- grab their reins a- out of nowhere just quickly out of the you know the Fox sports studio just right back in the saddle. I mean, that- that's unbelievable.
1: So you, you know how uh, you know how they have the the big boomer sooner thing at the beginning of the game where the with the horses come out with the the big caravan or whatever, like you're going on the fucking Oregon trail. That's how Stoops needs to come into the in the bowl game, put him in the the Boomer Sooner thing, the and buggies. roll him out to midfield for the fucking coin flip. He needs to be the one selecting heads or tails coming off of that thing.
0: That that would be epic. Um, you you mentioned the visor. I didn't mention this when we were talking to Eagles. Quick point though, did the Eagles lose the swag because Sirianni went with the winner cap and didn't have you know the pens hooked up to the visor <laughs> or, or the Brandon Brooks or Brandon. Uh, Graham and, and Somalo stickers on the 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 knit winter hat.
1: Guess that's why they played with no ju- like Siriati looked like he was getting ready for a snowball fight. Like what the fuck, dude?
0: Uh, I I just had to get that in there. Um, any, anything else on on the coaching carousel, or should we uh, should we take oh. a look at, at this picture, this oh, I, picture? I
1: think you're missing the big one here. I mean, LSU. Um, first of all, they who they have a and m.
0: Yeah, and I think they won. They won. They, to,
1: right. they won to become bowl eligible. And uh, and I guess Ed Orgeron
0: said he's not coaching the bowl game. He's going to Destin, Florida. And he's not coaching in '22, right?
1: He's not coach. So so this guy this guy. I mean, they're bowl. I mean, they might as well be Penn State. I mean, they're they're bowl. It's like no different than Penn State. He won a national title. They canned him, and now there's rumors here as of Monday night. You're listening to this on Tuesday. Who knows what happens over the next 24 hours? Um, there's a rumor that LSU is targeting Brian Kelly as the top candidate to fill its head coaching vacancy.
0: Yeah, you mentioned that coming in. Um, and I'm looking at my phone just as we're talking and it, it might, uh, it might be true. I don't know. I'm, I'm reading a, another tweet currently live here Monday night, Ryan Kelly walking away from number four recruiting class in 22 and number two in 23. The best I had seen the Irish recruit under his watch. LSU had three straight top five classes under Ed Orgeron coming into this cycle. So. I mean, I, I'm not gonna go diving into this on my phone at the moment. It's just the text that I received. Um, so th- there's got to be some legs, some legs to that rumor bomb.
1: Yeah, Pat Pat Ford from Sports Illustrated came out and said that LSU has been trying to make it happen. Though there's been no confirmation Kelly has reciprocated the interest. I can't imagine why Brian Kelly would want to leave LSU, or sorry, leave Notre Dame for LSU to go to go what get your balls beat by Alabama every year except the year you, you know, instead of the year you make the playoffs. I mean, you mentioned the um the recruiting classes. I, th- I think the only head coach that, that Notre Dame could go after to maintain such elite recruiting classes would be James Franklin. So who knows? But, I mean, if you're a Notre Dame fan, I'm going to say something controversial here. I-, I think you have to hope that Brian Kelly leaves and goes to LSU.
0: Now, why would you say that? Because cause he hasn't gotten them over the hump?
1: That's not why I'm saying that at all. Where was Brian Kelly before he became the head coach at Notre Dame?
0: Cincinnati.
1: You go right back to the fucking well.
0: Wow.
1: You go right back to the well. You bring in a younger guy, Fickle. You bring in a tough, smash mouth guy, Fickle. A guy that can recruit Ohio. A guy that can recruit the East Coast. I mean, if I'm a Notre Dame fan, I'm saying, "Hey Brian, thanks for everything you've done. Good luck at LSU."
0: That's insane. Now, if that if that really went down, I mean, obviously the, the the coaching carousel is pretty pretty crazy already. But if something like that happened, and you know, being a Penn State fan, you're just sitting on your hands after shit in the bed the last two years and re-signing Franklin to a ten-year deal. I mean that that just looks even fucking worse than it already is. It, it's just terrible.
1: Dude, it would look way worse. It would look way worse.
0: Like you, you you gotta zag when other people zig or whatever the hell the saying is. And you know, we're we're just buckled in, uh, coasting along, happy with, with what we've got that that hasn't gotten it done and Brian Kelly's gonna gonna leave, you know actual legitimate recruiting classes and playoff berths um you know and you're, you're encouraging notre dame to kind of open the door for them to, to get out i mean it's it's just we're, we're, we're just we're stuck in purgatory we already are
1: i'd be shocked if he left like why would you want to go play in the sec west when you can literally beat stanford and get into the playoff when everybody loses this week. Um, But there's a lot of money down in the SEC. And if he thinks he can can hit another level in recruiting, and it sounds like he's got a top recruiting class, but let me tell you something, At Notre Dame, you ain't recruiting the same type of kid that can come play linebacker or, or running back for LSU. I'll just say that. Like, there might be another level of recruiting that Brian Kelly thinks he can get to without any type of academic standards.
0: That's a fair point. Now are we good on the coaching carousel? Yes, sir. All right, we're good. Um, let's just run through the committee's top ten. From last week, uh, you have Georgia 1. Uh, they blew out Georgia Tech uh, in rivalry, rivalry week. Add that to the list of words that G can't say. Um, yeah, they, they blew out Georgia tech 45 zip, uh, Ohio state, you know, I, I, talked about the game last week and they pumped it all up and Ohio state always wins. Well, they took the L 42 27 at the big house. Um, you know, snowy cold, it was a crazy atmosphere, great atmosphere at the big house. Uh, I got to give Michigan and Harbaugh some credit. Um, still wasn't that great of a game though. I mean, Michigan was in control all day. You, you, you never really felt like Ohio State had a chance. So I'm I'm still holding on to that, that the game is overhyped because that wasn't much of a game even though Michigan won this time around. Um, Alabama, another wild game and that they hung on to uh, beat Auburn. Was it was it single overtime or double overtime? Four overtimes. It was four overtimes, yeah. 24-22, Bama wins at Auburn, hangs on there. Uh, Cincinnati on Black Friday blasted East Carolina and blasted my bet of East Carolina plus 14. They won 35-13 to move to the American uh, championship game this weekend. Uh, Obviously, number five, Michigan, we mentioned them. Took down Ohio State. Notre Dame at six. Uh, with another blowout win. Trying to see who it was over Stanford, 45-14. Um, Oklahoma State with the big win in Bedlam. Uh, at home, they beat the Sooners 37-33. You had the Baylor Bears at 8. They're still kind of hanging around. They beat Texas Tech to advance to the Big 12 championship game to take on Oklahoma State this Saturday. Uh, Ole Miss won the Egg Bowl. Over Mississippi State. I think that game was actually on Thanksgiving night. Kind of, kind of slipped by me. I was, I was looking to Black Friday yep. for that. Uh, it was played on Thanksgiving night, and then at 10 last week, Oklahoma obviously lost to Oklahoma State. Um, so let's just set the table um, for Conference Championship Week uh, Friday night in the Pac-12. You got a rematch between Oregon and Utah, and then we look to Saturday. Big 12 championship, Baylor and Oklahoma State. SEC championship, Georgia and Alabama. The American Conference Championship obviously has playoff implications. Um, Houston, 11-1 Houston plays Cincinnati. Uh, The ACC, you've got Pittsburgh and Wake Forest. And the Big Ten, Michigan, plays my favorite team, Iowa. Iowa snuck in after Wisconsin lost to Minnesota on Saturday. Iowa played Nebraska on Black Friday. They were a one-point dog to a 3-8 and eight Nebraska team. I jumped all over that like an asshole. Nebraska blew a 21-6 lead in the second half and stabbed me in the back. Um, you know, I got a little bit of feedback that 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 I hate this Iowa team, and I know I went in on them earlier in the year. Um but I should really just be going in on my own team. I don't hate Iowa. It was just a line line pick for me. Obviously it didn't work out, but they'll play Michigan in the Big Ten championship game in Indianapolis on Saturday night. <laughs> um but no, with with all that being said, I mean, again, another week in the books, a little more clarity in the playoff picture. I would say there's depending on what happens, is there five or six teams that still have a case for the playoff? four spots Um, so let's go through and rank them I didn't come through or uh, or prepare for this week's rankings I mean it's getting easier as we go here Uh, but I'll just run run through my top six uh, on the hop here so I've got Georgia at one Uh, they got Bama like I said on Saturday Um, number two I still got Cincinnati Uh, Cincinnati another big win Convincing road win. They play Houston uh this weekend. A win, and they are definitely in uh the playoff in my book. Um you know, I I hate to do it. I really do, but I gotta put Michigan at three. I, I, I have That's to the victors,
1: baby. Let's yeah. go. I,
0: I gotta I gotta give them give them a little credit here. I mean Great win! They they finally got over the hump with Harbaugh against the Buckeyes. Um, I, I'm certainly happy to see the Buckeyes not in the championship game, not in the playoff this year. Um, so I got Michigan at three, uh, four. I got Oklahoma State. Um, you know, I mean Alabama has a case, but they just look so weak. I mean, Oklahoma State gets a gets a win against a top ten opponent, rivalry game. They get it done. And Alabama looked like shit, so I got Oak State 4. I'm going to put Bama at 5. I mean, they got a chance to prove it on Saturday, and and I'm just going to leave Notre Dame chilling at 6. So, to recap for me this week, I got Georgia, Cincinnati, Michigan, Oklahoma State, Alabama, and the fighting Irish.
1: So, in essence, you you moved Michigan into Ohio State slot and bumped – Oklahoma State up above Bama. That's right. Got it. <clears throat> yeah, I, let me, I, I, I had uh, Georgia. Go ahead. Sorry.
0: I was just gonna say I don't think the committee will do the same.
1: No, I would agree with that. The, the committee's fraudulent. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if if Iowa somehow manages to win against Michigan if Gary Bard is up there advocating for the fucking Iowa Hawkeyes as the two lost Big Ten champion. I mean, cut me a break, dude. Um. Anyway, last week Yours truly, bomb I had Georgia at 1, Cincinnati at 2 I had the Buckeyes at 3 I had Bama at 4, Notre Dame at 5 Oklahoma State at 6 This week, big shakeup, obviously um, No change at the top I have Georgia at number 1 I have Cincinnati uh, Holding steady at 2 At number 3 I've brought the uh, the Wolverines into the picture, Michigan at three. And I'm sorry, Alabama fans. I'm sorry, SEC fans. Bama is no longer number number four. The number four team in the country. They've given up two touchdowns in the last four weeks. They've blown everybody out. Their only loss is to the number two team in the country. The number four fucking team in the country is Notre Dame. I don't want to hear anything. It's Notre Dame. Okay, I don't want to hear about OK State and the shitty – it's Notre Dame. Notre Dame is the team we want to see. So to recap, Georgia at one, Cincinnati at two, Michigan at three, Notre Dame at four. Rounding out the top six, I have Oklahoma State at five, and I have Bama at six. Bama has has not looked good. They lose that game against Auburn. If the running back stays in bounds. Um, Auburn had a number of mental miscues that 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 cost them that game. Uh, I, I don't think Alabama's playing well. Could they get up for a week and beat Georgia? Sure. And I'm happy to revisit it if that happens. But absent a miracle in, in Atlanta. I'm sorry. Alabama is is out. Even if we were to end the season today, I think they're out. Um but We'll see what happens in
0: Atlanta. Yeah, I'm really curious to see what kind of game they play on Saturday against Georgia. Um, They've looked weak all year. They've looked vulnerable all year. But, obviously, they got the horses to pony up and, and play a good game. I just don't know if it's in the cards for them this year, honestly, watching them. And, you know, watching all these teams, watching all of college football. I mean, I watched the game between Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. And, yes, I'm giving Oklahoma State some credit for the win. But neither of those teams are very good. We've seen Michigan look very bad at times this year. Um, I mean, no, Notre Dame, I know you like Notre Dame. Their schedule's been been kind of weak. They do have the best loss, probably, uh, of, of the teams in contention. But if you're the committee, and I know you, you look at strength of schedule and strength of record and all this, if you're watching the fucking TV, How is Cincinnati not your number two team and, like, a bona fide lock for this playoff? They are fucking good.
1: Dude, I'll go so far as to say if I was on the committee, the American title game is a playing game. I would go so far as to say that I would put a one-loss American champion that beats Cincinnati in the form of Houston in the playoff. That's how bad the rest of the rest of college football's been.
0: It really is so bad. Um, and and it could get crazy. I, you know I know we get on herbie. We haven't seen eye to eye this year. Um, but he did put out a good tweet uh, after week, I don't know whatever week it was, week twelve, week thirteen this past week in college football from herbie, just thinking of the craziest of scenarios, not predicting, simply asking what if? Georgia wins, Iowa wins, Houston wins, Baylor wins. Who would be the four? He's got Georgia and Notre Dame and two question marks. I haven't taken the time to really think about how how I would rank it if that happened, but it would be complete insanity, and it would be awesome. I think awesome for college football. Um, and, and, you know, for, for the committee, if it came down to something as crazy as that.
1: So let let can we talk about this for a second? Because you'd have a uh, an undefeated Georgia. Lock. You'd have a one-loss Notre Dame.
0: They would have to be a lock.
1: You'd have a two-loss Big Ten champion, a two-loss Pac-12 champion, and a two-loss ACC champion. So take your pick. I mean, would you go back to Oregon? Would you go to I I can't go to Iowa. I mean I, I'm sorry, I can't I can't do it. Would you would you would you look down at the at the ACC and say, "Hang on a second here. Just one second, folks. To Lost Wake To Lost Pit.
0: Huh? I'd be looking at Baylor honestly. I mean, I know I know you were high on them.
1: I was before, so high until they dropped TCU. Before
0: the loss to TCU, but I, I I think I would look at Baylor.
1: I think had they not lost lost the game to, to TCU, I man, dude, they'd be in with a win, dude.
0: For sure. Now, but I, I don't know where you go. And and he's even got listed here like does Bama still get a look? If they play a close game. I mean, if Bama played Georgia close, they would pro they would be a lock in If this everything scenario. else
1: happened and Bama played them close, Bama's gotta be three, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. And then and then you're still looking at Michigan. He's looking obviously Herbie's looking at Ohio State.
1: You can't because Ohio State didn't win their division, let alone the conference. Right. Michigan would be a two loss non conference winner. You have a two loss conference winner in Iowa. We know they don't like two lost conference winners just from going back from Penn State, Penn State year when they had to go to the Rose Bowl and play USC. Um, I think if that scenario played out, you'd have to take the winner of the American.
0: I, I, I don't agree or disagree. I just have no idea. It will be complete chaos, but
1: I, I don't think, th- about, think about this, right? I'm going to throw this out there. The American might have the most compelling Coaching matchup this weekend In terms of like big names You know they shit on the American
0: You Who's got Houston's Hol- coach? You, you got Holgerson and Fickle Oh wow I didn't realize Holgerson was at Houston
1: Dude he got so tired of country roads He's like I'm out of here I'm going to Houston dude
0: Yeah they're sitting at 11-1 and I don't know who their loss is to Um But I I honestly think that scenario is pretty far fetched. I mean, you look at you look at some of the lines in these games. I mean, Michigan's laying ten and a half against Iowa. Cincinnati's laying ten and a half against Houston. I mean, Georgia's laying almost a touchdown, six and a half against Bama. Um, I will say I'm not sure about Oklahoma State. I don't know if they get it done. They're laying five and a half against Baylor. yeah, I kind of do too. And and after watching, I hadn't really watched a ton of Oklahoma State, especially against any formidable opponent. But that was just an ugly game in Bedlam on Saturday night. Just ter- turnovers and bad offense. Weird, off. Yeah, just just a weird weird game. But we'll see what happens. I mean, it, it'll all be sorted out. I think the ra- the rankings after championship Saturday will be and the bowl games will be given out Sunday. Um, we might have to orchestrate a little something bomb, so we can get get our picks in ahead of the committee and see see how they line up after all this shakes out.
1: When's it go live?
0: I I believe the bowl selection show is is at some point on Sunday. Maybe maybe at twelve. Maybe before the NFL. I feel like that's uh, how they so they like line so it like up. Sunday. Yeah, so, so maybe we'll we'll just post something on the Instagram or, or you know, I'll I'll record some video we, we of my gotta ugly ball
1: We got to record a short at maybe after the games.
0: Yeah, maybe we'll do, do a late night Saturday night or early cup of coffee pod on, on, on Sunday.
1: Perhaps, I mean, this is – I live for this. Like, college, in spite of all the shit we've given the committee and going back to the BCS, like, this is the best. This is the best.
0: It is. No, I'm I'm pumped and a lot of anticipation after this week with with, you know, pretty much a month between the conference championships and uh, the, the final four playoff games. But I got nothing else on college, honestly, really on, on anything. I have one last note that I'd like to like to th- throw a little nugget in, but I don't know if you had anything else before I do that.
1: Uh, I wanted to save this to the end, <clears throat> but um, figured I'd throw this grenade in there. Toss it. We'll, Pull we'll the pen. Uh, talk, talk a little bit about the, the coaching car. So I wanted to save this just because I wanted to watch your expression on Skype change. Um, Brian Kelly leaves Notre Dame to go to LSU. Let's just assume that goes live. I mentioned fickle as the logical replacement. The guy, you go right back to Cincinnati and you say, you know what, let's hope you're a Cincinnati coach that doesn't kill a kid on a scissor lift, okay? Let's hope you keep everybody alive. Can you do that for us, Luke? And he says, you know what, Eh, I don't want to go to Notre Dame. Who do you turn to next? I'll tell you who Baum turns to. Urban
0: Meyer. Oh my god Urban Meyer
1: To Notre Dame
0: So if Kelly goes Fickle doesn't go To Notre Dame The next guy you're looking at for Notre Dame Is Urban Meyer
1: Uh huh I'd like to see The priests at Notre Dame Wrapping their heads around the Urban Meyer videos (laughs) And saying huh Urban, did you did you say your penance? Ten Hail Marys to Our Fathers.
0: They Can you could still not run that
1: spread that option? Excellent, you're hired.
0: <laughs> <laughs> could they really hire that guy? And and oh, oh, and, oh, oh, and still dude. be a uh, prestigious oh. Catholic university?
1: <laughs> well, well, Brian Kelly did kill a kid. You know, Urban Meyer yeah. only recruited guys who killed guys. You know what I mean?
0: True, yeah. I, I, I guess that's why I'm I'm just a uh, a lowly podcaster talking about this nonsense and, and some AD or board said, of trustee. Allegedly,
1: but, allegedly, a kid was in a scissor lift in high winds tweeting about it in real time about how he was going to unfortunately die. He did die. Uh, very sad story. I don't mean to make light of it. Just figured I would mention the story behind the story for those who aren't in the know.
0: Now nah, we appreciate that. Um, I got I got one last nugget that you'll enjoy. Um, I guess I guess a, a fan of the show, or or maybe maybe just a, a guy who's familiar with the show. He's a longtime Philadelphia sports fan. Uh, obviously has has some years on us. I would say this this fellow's probably in his late fifties or sixties. So he suffered a lot more misery as a Philly sports fan than us, and he was feeling pretty low. After the loss to the Giants on Sunday, that he had to reach all the way into his bag to find some pride in Philly and say that we've got three coaches from the Philadelphia Catholic League that are current NFL head coaches because we've got he's got no he's got no pride in the team right now, no pride in any of the teams. And c- can you blame him? But I think this is this is what forty to fifty years of being this this Philadelphia fan can do to you, is that this is how far you gotta dig to find some pride. And if you're not familiar, you've got Sean McDermott of the Buffalo Bills, uh, formerly coached at LaSalle. I, LaSalle. Kevin's- I
1: don't know if he coached there, did he?
0: Uh, I don't know. I thought he did um but he did go to graduated, La Salle, graduated from there yeah graduated from LaSalle you've got kevin stefanski out of the prep shout out bomb and then you've got joe judge is a Lansdale catholic guy so i just thought it was funny that you know that point was brought up because it, it just it just shows the wear and tear that philadelphia fandom can put on a human soul
1: when you're looking at it from a guy's perspective who like cites that information, right? Look at it from each of those guys' perspectives that actually coach these other franchises. Like, like they thought, like let, let, let me make sure I verbalize this properly. Like you and I, they watched the Philadelphia Eagles growing up. That was their hometown team and they watched how bad this team fucking performed week in, week out. And somewhere in their minds as a youth, they thought to themselves, fuck, this coaching is so bad, I think I can become an NFL coach someday. That's how bad this is every week. Like, think of it. What other region in the country has three coaches from the same high school league coaching, like, one of the 30? I mean, it's unbelievable. So, if anything, maybe we give a hat tip to former Eagles owner, Norman Braman, Jeff Lurie. If you put your mind to it, you can be anything you want to be in life, man. You know, it's, it's a beautiful thing.
0: Yeah. I, I, I just thought that that was too funny that, that that's, that's the level we got to reach you to find some pride on a, on a lily cold cloudy Sunday in November.
1: I mean, it's a, it's an area, it's a state with rich football tradition and people who like live and die by this sport, whether you played it, whether you watch it. And when you look at college, when you look at the pros, we just get guys with no guts, no hearts, no souls. It's disgusting.
0: Terrible. Yeah. Just a much different vibe talking about our hometown team on thoughts from the shade this week. Um, but I, I, I got nothing else.
1: Um, I do. I don't know if you want to get to your bone to pick of the week before we close out.
0: I don't know that I had a bone. I know you had a bone to pick of the week.
1: I got a big bone.
0: I'll, I'm just going to let you run with it.
1: Uh, so this is Bomb's bone to pick of the week presented by Shamrock Sun. Um, my bone to pick of the week is with Darius Slay Jr., number two. It's been a lot of talk about how great he's been on defense this year. His uh, his touchdowns, uh, deservedly so. I would argue that you or I could do what he's done in terms of just picking up a football or catching a ball that's been thrown in your breadbasket and running it the other direction with nobody around you. But we'll, we'll give a we'll give some credit to Darius. But my bone to pick of the week with Darius is his comments after. The uh, the pick six at at uh, against New Orleans, which seemed to slip under the radar here. Um, Darius Slay, after the pick six, jumped into the crowd. Now G's holding up the the photo. He jumped into the crowd, cheering him on, and it wasn't a Lambo leap, folks. It was a jumping on a scorer's table type of look where. He jumps up, he's on the ledge, he's staring out at the crowd. And um, when asked about the epic moment in what, week 11 against Trevor Simeon, Darius Slay said, and I quote, that was my Kobe moment. So, just to be clear here. there's a picture of Kobe Bryant and we'll we'll post it on the Instagram jumping on the table with confetti all around him after and winning
0: an, and an NBA champions hat
1: on. In a, in an NBA champions hat. And Darius Slay had his Kobe moment in week 11 with 46 seconds left against the New Orleans Saints. Uh, with Trevor Simeon throwing him a pick six, I just thought to myself, wow, what a fucking bone to pick this will be. That is so
0: pathetic.
1: <laughs> I, I oh mean, my- what do you expect? The guy came from the Detroit Lions. I mean, that has to be his Kobe moment.
0: That's true. That's fair. Now, the, the entire time you were going into that diatribe, I'm sitting here just silently cackling because I'm looking at the picture. I can't wait for the people to see this. The picture of Slay up flexing in the face of the crowd. And then you got on the left pan next to it is the Mamba with the confetti flying down. And he's got an actual champion's hat on, you know, a guy that actually has a legacy. And it was was one of the true greats, uh, not only of his time, but to ever play the game. And then you got slay on a, on a fucking what four and six Eagles team making one pick six against a bum quarterback. And he says it's his Kobe moment. It's disgusting, but it's fucking hilarious. And it's an electric bone to pick of the week. Brought to you by Shamrock Sun. So thank you, Bob. Yeah,
1: th- thank you. Thank you.
0: All right. I'm going to shut it down. If uh, if that's cool with you. As always, thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, Followed along on Instagram and, you know, throwing a follow or a like or subscribe, giving a review on your favorite podcast app. Uh, obviously, shout out to Shamrock Sun. Shout out to Menard Detailing. Um, and I think that's it. So we will talk to everybody next week. Let's beat the goddamn Jets, right this ship, and we will be here to talk about it. So take care, everyone.